0: Hey folks, Lauren Chippen here, writer and director of Surviving Hawkins. As you may know, this podcast is actually a companion to the wonderful young adult novel about Robin's sophomore year. To get a taste of Robin's full backstory, stick around after the credits of this episode to hear chapter one of the official audiobook of Rebel Robin, narrated by Danny Martinek and available wherever you get your audiobooks. Netflix presents Surviving Hawkins, starring Maya Hawke and Sean Marr, written by Lauren Chippen. Room
1: 107. Who is this? What do you want? Look, I don't know what you think you know, but stop calling me.
2: Uh, Mr. Hauser. Robin. Can I?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my, of course. Come in. Mind closing the door? Everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. Who
2: was that on the phone?
1: Were you eavesdropping?
2: No, I I just happened to... It seemed like whoever it was... Are you sure you're okay?
1: I am fine. Just a prank caller.
2: Seriously? Who does that during school?
1: I don't know. But I am getting very tired of it.
2: It's happened before? On and off. What are they saying?
1: It's really nothing. Robin... That doesn't
2: sound like nothing. Do you have any idea who it is?
1: I don't, and I don't care to find out. I'm sure it's just a student. I'm surprised they didn't ask me if my refrigerator was running. Anyway, uh, what are you reading today?
2: Why do you assume I'm reading something?
1: You're always reading something. Also, you've got a book under your sandwich there. Oh. Uh,
2: yeah, just something like...
1: Is that Dante? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: In the original Italian.
2: Well, not the original original Italian, because I wouldn't know where to start with that. It's a more modern edition with the English and Italian side by side. I, I love the Inferno, so when I found this copy in the used bookstore, I, I couldn't
1: resist. You really are something else, Robin Buckley.
2: I like a challenge. <laughs> then why aren't
1: you in any advanced classes?
2: You've seen my grades in your class. Are you saying they're good enough for junior English?
1: Honestly, no. Exactly. But I also know that you are not actually a B student. My
2: last report card would beg to differ.
1: I grade on the work you give me, not the work I think you're capable of doing. And your work isn't bad. It's... it's restrained.
2: Maybe that's the best I can do.
1: So let me ask you this. Why do you want to read Dante in Italian?
2: I'm learning Italian.
1: I thought you were learning French from your tapes.
2: I am. I'm doing French, Spanish, and Italian.
1: Of course you are.
2: I'd love to do Russian next, but I want to master those three before moving on to a whole other alphabet.
1: I think you have enough on your plate. Maybe you leave that one for senior year. If you're learning Italian through your tapes, why are you reading Dante? Practice. Feels like there are probably easier ways to practice.
2: It's not just practice. Dante wrote in Italian originally, right? That's the language he spoke, the language he thought in. So it feels like that's how his story should be read. Reading the English translation, it feels like something was missing.
1: That's how I know. How you know what? That you're capable of more. You read The Inferno in English and feel that something's missing, that something is restrained. Exactly. Reading your essays feel like reading a hastily put together translation. Like there's there's some fundamental element of the work that's not being put to the page. Like I'm holding back? Are you?
2: Maybe a little.
1: Why? You could be getting straight A's in my class. You could be valedictorian in a few years if you set your mind to it.
2: I don't want to be valedictorian. The idea of giving a speech to my entire class actually gives me hives.
1: But what about advanced classes? You just said you like a challenge.
2: Yeah, I find plenty of ways to challenge myself all on my own. Clearly.
1: Is it the other kids? Not wanting to be in class with students older than you?
2: No, it's not that. I mean, I'm already in class with kids older than me. Steve Harrington sucking at history means I get to stare at his stupid hair all year.
1: <laughs> Tell me how you really feel.
2: Sorry, he just he bugs me.
1: Robin, is, is Steve bullying you?
2: Oh my god, no. He'd have to notice me to bully me, and that guy definitely has no idea who I am.
1: Oh. I'm, I'm sorry?
2: Don't be. I so do not want to be noticed by Steve Harrington. But that's kind of the point, I guess, of not doing any advanced classes.
1: Staying unnoticed.
2: Right. I have to live in two worlds, you know? Nerd and slacker, dork and perm haver.
1: Italian and English.
2: Exactly. Dante lived in two worlds. The land of the living and the land of the dead. I'm like Dante. (laughs) I have to be flexible to survive.
1: Sounds like a lot of work to keep yourself from having the things that you really want.
2: How do you know what I want?
1: I've been a teacher of teenagers for almost a decade. And not
2: all teenagers are the same, okay? I'm not moony-eyed over every hapless hair pile that walks through the door. Just because everyone else is obsessed with dating and the new pop hit or whatever doesn't mean that I want those things. I'm
1: very aware of that, Robin. You gave me a whole lecture about it just the other day.
2: Right. Sorry.
1: What I was going to say is that I think you probably don't want to be bored to death in class. I think you actually care about learning.
2: You mean that I'm weird, right?
1: I thought you weren't offended by that.
2: I'm not. Besides, you're weird, too. How so? You're right, okay? I do care. I care about learning. And books. And band. And languages. And all that stuff that I'm not supposed to care about. But you care, too. You do, right?
1: Yes, I do.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, by Hawkins' high standards, that makes you a total weirdo. That's it. Absolutely. You're basically the only teacher I've ever had that actually wants to be teaching, and I'm probably one of the few students you have who actually wants to learn.
1: Well, I I wouldn't go that far. You said yourself that Barb cared a lot about school. Plenty of my students work very hard.
2: Okay, but you have to say that. You're their teacher, and and sure, there are plenty of nerds who care about doing well in school, but I don't think that's the same thing as caring about learning. No one in Hawkins has any curiosity, any imagination. (sighs)
1: Come on, do you really believe that? I mean, maybe people aren't curious about exactly what you're curious about, but is there really no one that surprised you in this school? Are you even trying to put that list together? Yes.
2: And, I don't know. Uh, Maybe... Maybe Tammy Thompson. Hmm. How so? She's always singing to herself, completely unashamed, like she doesn't care who's listening. Almost like she wants people to listen.
1: Well, she does do theater after all.
2: No, I, I know I, I know she likes performing, but there's something about when she's singing off the stage, like like right before class or in the bathroom between periods. I don't know. It's different. The way she gets attention, the way she wants it. It's not the same as a popular kid. It's not that not that Tam is unpopular or anything, but she's kind. Like, she actually does seem to care about other people and to care about things other than grades or school gossip or the new Madonna song.
1: She's curious.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know her well or anything. But I get the feeling there's something else going on there. Like, she's the kind of person who hasn't let Hawkins' High strip her of all the stuff that makes people interesting. Like, she's a mystery to be solved or something. Hmm. You think I'm wrong? I didn't say that. You seem to have an opinion on everything in my life. You're telling me you don't have an opinion on this.
1: What exactly would I be having an opinion on?
2: Whether I should put Tam on the list. Be friends with her.
1: Is that what we're discussing?
2: You're the one who worked with her on our town. Don't you have an opinion about her?
1: I'm just glad that you're finding people who interest you. And? And what?
2: There's something you're not saying. Why do you think that? You get this look on your face when someone says something stupid in class, but you have to be the diplomatic teacher about
1: it. I don't know what you're talking about. And
2: you have that look right now. What stupid thing did I say? You
1: didn't say anything stupid, Robin. You never do. That's my whole point. You are curious, you're strong-willed, and you want to be challenged. Which is why it's all the more baffling to me that you choose to coast by on minimum effort instead of really applying yourself. Because
2: it's too dangerous to stand out, remember?
1: I'm not saying you should jump into the spotlight right away. I just, I think that there are people, maybe even Tammy Thompson, who might like to hear what you think about things. Unrestrained. I know of at least one teacher of yours that enjoys it.
2: But you're different, remember? And most people find an English translation a lot more palatable than a difficult foreign language.
1: Isn't it tiring to have to translate yourself for people all the time?
2: I don't know. I've gotten used to it. It's safer. You know that. And it keeps things from being too boring.
1: If it's boredom you're trying to fend off, I am happy to give you more English assignments.
2: Gee, thanks, but I think I'll pass. Is that what you did with Barb? What? Did you give her extra assignments? Tell her to read 1984?
1: 1984 is on the curriculum.
2: For juniors, Barb is a sophomore. And I know she's not in any advanced classes. So what were you two talking about?
1: It, it was a private matter.
2: Why did you lie to me?
1: It is not my place to discuss the private matters of other students with you.
2: You talked to Nancy Wheeler about it? Excuse me? When she came in the other day to ask for an extension?
1: That, how did you know that's what she wanted?
2: The two of you were talking about Barb.
1: So it's not just my phone calls you're eavesdropping on, but my conversations with other students? I wasn't.
2: I was here first, and you and me were talking, and then Nancy just swans in to make it all about- Robin,
1: it's my job to give students help when they ask for it. But
2: I needed help. We were going to figure out who I should take to Europe with me. That's important, too. I need your help with Operation Croissant. You know I do.
1: Robin, be honest. Were you spying on Nancy and me?
2: It's not spying if you're talking loud enough to be heard in the hallway. Robin. Why was Barb coming to see you? Did she talk to you about running away? Did you tell her the same thing you told me? What?
1: No, that is, that is not what we were talking about. Then what? Do you remember what I just said five seconds ago? About it being private.
2: Operation Croissant was private, and you stuck your nose right into it, and I'm, I'm totally cool with that now. You
1: were talking about it during my class. You made it my business.
2: But you offered to let me come here for lunch, my free periods, to talk to you about stuff. It
1: seemed like maybe you needed someone to talk to.
2: So, it wasn't because you were trying to help me run away. Is that what you've been thinking? I mean, you took interest, you know? Telling me to take someone to Europe, offering to help me talk to my parents.
1: I didn't want you making any kind of dangerous decisions. That's all.
2: And I just... I've been thinking, if, if Barb was thinking about running away and you gave her a similar offer, if, if that's what the two of you were talking about, then maybe the reason she disappeared so fast is because you helped her. Robin,
1: why on earth... I mean, that, that, that's a very serious accusation.
2: No, no, no. Wait, slow down. I, I didn't mean it like that. I,
1: I didn't mean it like a bad thing. How would me aiding and abetting a 15-year-old girl in running away be a good thing?
2: Look, I, I don't know Barb's situation. Maybe she needed to get away. Maybe she was really legitimately unsafe.
1: Do you really think that? You knew Barb. Not really. You said it yourself. People change. But you knew her once. You know her friends, her family. Really dig deep. And ask yourself, do you actually think she ran away?
2: Look, maybe Barb didn't seem like the type, but that doesn't mean that she couldn't have. That doesn't mean that she wasn't living some kind of
1: secret life that none of us knew about. Barbara Holland, you think she was leading a second life?
2: I exist in two worlds. There's no reason she couldn't.
1: It's not the same.
2: How do you know?
1: You admitted that you're projecting onto Barb. Don't you think that's all this is? That she was someone you were fond of once and someone who understood you, and so now you're projecting your own issues onto her? Wanting
2: to go to Europe is not an
1: issue. That's not all it is, though, is it? You really do want to run away sometimes, don't you?
2: I... No. No, I mean, I think about it, sure. But not in any kind of serious way. It's just that sometimes it... Sometimes it really gets stifling here, you know?
1: I do know... I really do. And that's why I offered my classroom as a place for you to come and be. A place to talk if you needed it, because I think I understand what you're going through more than you know. But I didn't make the same offer to Barb. She didn't need it. She wasn't living in two worlds. She was a good student and a good friend, and I really, really hope that we find out what happened to her because whatever the answer is, I can promise you, I had nothing to do with it. Is that where you thought all oh, this was going? That if you talked to me, I would help you. I'd help you run away. Uh, I, I uh,
2: okay. I, I realize how crazy that sounds now, but I just—you told me to come talk to you if I was ever thinking about running away, and then I saw you talking to Barb, and it looked serious, and and then she was gone, and and you lied to me about what you were talking to her about, and I just. I don't know. You're right. This whole time I've just been wrapped up in my own stuff. I couldn't even see. God, I hope she's okay. Me too. I'm sorry for letting my imagination run away with me like that.
1: You didn't tell anyone else about this. This this theory of yours, did you?
2: I'm... Not really sure I'd even call it a theory. It's not like something I've been obsessing over or anything. I'm
1: serious, Robin. I need to know if you've talked to anyone, even in passing, about this.
2: No. I swear I haven't. But why would it matter if it's not true?
1: The the phone calls, the, The, they are not just generic prank calls. They are targeted at me. They're... They are accusatory.
2: Do you think someone else saw you talking to Barb?
1: I don't see why it would matter if they did. Talking to students is my job.
2: Okay, but maybe whoever is calling you thinks you know something.
1: Has anyone ever said anything to you about me? I won't be mad at you, Robin. I I promise. But I need to know.
2: Maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about Barb. Barb. Barb told you a secret. Maybe someone's trying to find out what. Barb
1: and I weren't talking about her. We were talking about me. What? Never mind. That's not... Uh, never mind.
2: Why would you have been talking to Barb about you? You won't even talk to me about your life, and I I'm... I was
1: not talking to her about my life.
2: What is the caller saying? What are they accusing you of?
1: Robin. Please. It's bad enough that you're spying on my conversations with other students and No, Mr. Hauser, that's not Twice. Twice now, Robin. You've done it twice. First with Barb and then with Nancy and I That crosses a serious line. I want to be able to trust I, you. But I I you know can't.
2: I, I know I know. I'm really sorry.
1: Room 107. Yes. Great. I'll be right there. Was that? That was Janice in the library. The newest issue of the Paris Review came in. Uh, there's a story in it I want to teach to the senior class, so I should probably get to photocopying. Wait, Mr. Howells? Feel free to finish your lunch in here.
2: Look, I'm really sorry. If- it's
1: fine, Robin. Forget it.
2: Okay. We can pick this up during lunch tomorrow. I
1: actually, um, I'm way behind on grading, so I I think I should probably spend the rest of the week catching up before the Thanksgiving break. Oh, okay. I'll see you in class.
2: Hello. I know what you are. What? Um, who? Who is this? Hello. Robin Buckley. Yes, uh, this is Robin Buckley answering Mr. Hauser's phone. Who, may I ask, is calling?
0: Mr. Hauser is dangerous.
2: What? Uh, what are you talking about? Uh, who is this? He's not who you think he is. There is something very wrong with him. Dangerous? How? Hello. Dangerous house. Stay away from Mister Hauser.
0: <sighs> Surviving Hawkins is a production of Netflix and Atypical Artists. And is a companion podcast to the novel Stranger Things, Rebel Robin by A.R. Capetta from Random House Children's Books, starring Maya Hawke as Robin Buckley and Sean Marr as Mr. Hauser, written and directed by Lauren Shippen, editing and sound design by Brandon Grugel. Lillian Holman is our production manager. And if you haven't already, go read Rebel Robin to get the full story behind Robin's friendship with Mr. Hauser and how she managed to survive sophomore year.
3: September 6, 1983. The first history class of the year hasn't even started, and I know exactly how it's going to unfold, minute by minute, period by period. I have the entire academic year pegged. At least, I swear I do, until Tammy Thompson walks in. Something about her is different. Maybe it's her hair. It used to be pin straight and red. Now it's short, tousled, and redder. It could be her smile. In freshman year, she was semi-popular and at least semi-fine with it. But now we're sophomores and she's got a grin that says she's determined to win friends and influence prom queen elections. Not that we can go to prom as sophomores, unless an upperclassman invites us, an event so rare and special that people in this school talk about it like it's a meteor sighting. Maybe it's the fact that when I see her, music infiltrates my brain. Soft, obnoxious music. Wait, my brain would never play hollow notes. I twist around in my seat and realize that Ned Wright is in the back of the room with a boombox perched on his shoulder. He's turned it down so Miss Click, sitting at her desk, ignoring us like a pro, acting like we don't exist until the bell rings, won't confiscate it. When class starts, he'll slide it under his desk and use it as a footrest. He's been doing this since eighth grade. He's also a pro. But for right now, Tammy Thompson is strolling across the room on a cloud of kiss on my list and raspberry scented something. Lotion? Shampoo? Whatever it is, it reminds me of the scratch and sniff stickers I collected with a fervor back in middle school. She slides into a seat, and her friends greet her in high-pitched flutters. Oh my gosh, your hair! How was the beach, Tam? Tam? Maybe that's the difference. She's got a new nickname to go with her fresh haircut and enhanced smiling capabilities. Tam, I whisper, quietly enough that nobody can hear me under the how was your summer uproar. Miss Click looks up ominously. One minute until class starts. If I was a run-of-the-mill nerd like I'm pretending to be, I would have a stack of pristine, unsullied white notebook pages ready to go. I would have already done a few chapters of the reading to get a jump start. My pencils would all have perfect, identical, weapons-grade points. As it is, I plunge down at the last minute and rummage in my bag, looking for my history textbook and anything that will leave a mark on paper. There's a graveyard of gum on the underside of the desk. And the perm I let Kate talk me into right at the end of summer, the perm that made my scalp tingle for a week and still makes my head smell perpetually like overcooked eggs, means my hair is big enough that I have to be extra careful how much space I leave for clearance. I almost hid my head on the underside of the desk when I hear her start to sing. Tammy's voice rises over halls, Oatss. It's bold and sweet, and yes, she uses vibrato as generously as I peanut butter my sandwiches, but the point is, she's not afraid. Everyone can hear her. I come back up from my deep dive into my backpack and look around at our classmates, but nobody seems to care that Tam is now singing her heart out in the middle of the room with 30 seconds to go until class starts. And she doesn't seem to care if anyone is watching. What does that feel like? I spin my pencil, feeling every one of the six edges on my finger. Then the bell rings, Miss Click stands up, and everything slides back into place exactly the way I thought it would be. Including when Steve Harrington shows up three and a half minutes late, looking lost probably because his hair flopped into his eyes and he couldn't see any of the classroom numbers. How does he get anywhere with that hair? It looks even bigger than it did last year. Hey, people, he says. Everyone laughs, like the part in a sitcom where the audience guffaws at the main character's not particularly funny motto. They know they don't have to do that in real life, right? Even Miss Click beams at him like his hair somehow cured cancer. That's an extreme and rarefied level of popularity, where even the teachers don't glare at you because you're simply too socially precious. Steve jams himself into the desk next to Tam. She turns the color of a fresh raspberry. This whole thing is so ridiculous that my brain glitches and my fingers stop working and my pencil drops to the linoleum with a hard clatter. When I go to pick it up, it's just out of reach. I duck. I grasp, but I can't quite get it. When I finally do, I feel so triumphant that I come up way too fast and knock my head on the underside of the desk, a.k.a. the gum graveyard. My head clangs hard, and my frizzed out perm touches a dozen ancient pieces of gum at once. They're so hardened that they don't stick to me. Which is good, and also horrifying. Robin, do you need to go to the nurse's office? Miss Click asks with a pitying look as I resurface. Her concern is touching. Unless the nurse has a time machine that will take me back exactly one class period, no. All right then, she says, launching into her first class of the year monologue. At least the attention of my classmates doesn't last long, and Tam doesn't even seem to notice my disgrace. Not that I want her to, but it bothers me just a tiny bit that the reason she doesn't notice me is that she's too busy humming kiss on my list while she stares at Steve Harrington.